Welcome to Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. I'm Sam. On today's episode, we'll be chatting all about private practice season five, episode 16. Episode 16, Andromeda, was written by Gabe Finesca and directed by Mark Tinker. It aired on February 23rd, 2012. Enjoy! On today's episode, we've got Rosie. She's wanted to be on the pod for years, and today is the day that her dreams come true. Hi, my name is Rosie, also known as Rose, and I am Sam's mother. (laughs) Yes, now she's laughing. So I have been listening to the podcast and just really thought that it would be fun if I could be on the show while I'm visiting here in California. So I'm here visiting. I am originally born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am now retired and have a good amount of free time, which allowed me to come out to California and spend time with my favorite and only daughter Sam. (laughs) So thanks for having me, honey. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. This should be a really interesting episode for everyone. So I know this answer, but how did you come to Grey's and private practice and what made you become interested in the Grey's universe? Well, I have watched all the Grey's episodes to date and all of private practice Uh, I tend to only watch things one time, not over and over again, as someone else I know. But um, I have seen uh, a few of them more than one time. And I am a uh, true fan of Chandra Rhimes. I have also seen all of Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, and all of the Station 19s to date. And I can't wait until we get some new shows. I do have to say that Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder, for me, was a little bit um, scary at times. And um, maybe um, even a little bit too violent. I like the love story part of these writings. Yeah, Um, in the later seasons when Huck and Quinn would be on air in Scandal, she would close her eyes and say, tell me when it's over. Yes, 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 because they were doing some. But anyway, Sam introduced me to Grays. This would really be a long time ago. Um, she introduced me to Grays, and we would uh, talk about them. And I really got into the individual characters. And I have really been a, I guess I want to call it a serial. I'm not sure what you would call them. Like a, well... You like soaps. I love the soaps. You like, you really like procedurals, but soaps aren't really procedurals. You like soaps and procedurals. Tell me what you mean by procedurals. Cause I like wouldn't... a Law and Order. Oh, yes. You can watch any episode and know what's basically the beginning, the middle, and the end of what's going to happen. It, it comes from the time before DVR and Hulu where you could maybe not see a few episodes and still be okay and know what's going on, even if you miss a month or so. So in Law & Order, you know something bad's going to happen. The two cops are going to figure out who did it. And then 30 minutes on the dot through, it'll switch to the lawyers 
and the lawyers will do the second half. Where Grey's Anatomy, yes. you know that at the beginning and the end, there's going to be a little monologue, and it's going to connect to a few patient storylines. Yes, but if you, if you miss a few, you really have to catch up. I mean, you know who the characters are, yeah. but you could still have really missed something. I actually have been watching what I call serials for most of my life. And uh, Peyton Place is the first one that I remember watching. It aired on ABC between 1964 and 1969. And it was only 30 minutes. Wow. Yes. And at that time, that was the normal time that most shows were. Most shows were not an hour. Uh, I'm not even sure that I understood everything on Peyton Place because I was young. It was an evening show. It was a little bit racier. It was definitely sexier than other things that were on. But from there, I progressed to watching several daytime soaps that I watched over the years, and I still continue to watch two of them. Can you tell us what those two are? Yeah, I, I still watch... The Young and the Restless and The Bold and the Beautiful, they are both on uh, CBS. The Young and the Restless is an hour. The Bold and the Beautiful is still only a half an hour, which is unusual. I'm not aware of any of the other modern soaps that are only on for 30 minutes. Uh, but it's the same, same family, the Bell family is the family that uh, produces and runs those two shows. So I continue to watch them. But I could always turn on Days of Our Lives for an hour and and be engrossed in it. Yes, but recently they switched it over to Peacock, which doesn't make a lot of business sense to me. So it's no longer on NBC. You can only watch it on Peacock. I have not seen any of it since it went to Peacock because I don't have that. Yeah. That makes no sense to me why they did that, but I'm sure there was a reason, but it didn't make any sense to me. I would be interested in knowing what happened to their... Their base. Thank you. I was going to call it readership, but that's not readership because you're not reading. Watchership. Watchership. (laughs) I would be interested in knowing what happened to the show since it went to Peacock, but they certainly, they certainly lost me. Anyway, but I I enjoy, um, I really enjoy the plot lines and the characters and learning about the actors. One trip, Sam, I'm not sure if you even remember. What do you mean, do I remember? It was pivotal. Okay, and we got to watch the filming of uh, Days of Our Lives. And we were up in the control room. And I was, I mean, I was just watching the scenery. I was watching the... That was like winning the lottery for me. Well, maybe not that good, but that <laughs> <laughs> almost like winning the lo- winning the lottery to be able to to um, watch them filming an episode. So, but I really this is the kind of this is what I consider to be my escape. So, who is your favorite Shondaland character? This could be from any of her shows. Well, I really have a lot of them, but I would say my favorites are Olivia Pope from Scandal and the dear Miranda Bailey from Grey's. When I think of two powerful women, when I think of two strong women, I mean, Miranda Bailey, to me, is the glue of Grey's. Yes. 
and she's the person who keeps it all to, together. She's the person who's been on the longest. Like well, she and Richard, but yeah. Well, that's true. I guess I was tending to think of female characters because I think that the female characters are developed a little bit differently. Differently than the male characters or different than in other shows? Both. Both. But I would be interested in knowing the writers, for example, of Grey's, how many are women and how many are men and how, that write them, the, the actual core writers. And I tend to think there's probably more females writing Grey's because I think that the women are developed more fully. Now, early on in Grey's, I love George and Izzy. And I was sorry to see Izzy not be on the show because I think there was so much more to be done with Izzy. And I would have liked to have seen more of her life, although we do now have gotten a glimpse of what her life is. I would have liked to have seen them. But um, Olivia Pope, I mean, that's about as good as it gets. It didn't matter if it was her acting. It didn't matter if it was her clothing. It didn't matter if her... if. It was her coming home and drinking uh, some, how she always came home and drank red wine. Like a goblet of red wine yes. with a white coat on a white couch. Exactly. You just know she's not watching comedies or horror. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, that was, Olivia Pope, is, she was just uh, so special. So I would say they're my, and Miranda Bailey, we still don't know what's going to happen. We're going to see. What do you mean? Well, we don't know in Grey's what further development is going to go on. We have her with her husband, who is... Dr. Anesthesiologist, firefighter Ben Warren, you mean? As we say in our house. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Ben Warren. So that brings the two shows to come together. Mm -hmm. Another way the two shows come together. Now she has adopted, or they have adopted together... This wonderful little girl. True. And they also have their foster son, Joey. He's not on very much. He's not on very much. I think it's Joey. I think you're right. So they've gone from a family of one child. Yeah, Tuck, one child. Tuck. So a family of three. And Tuck is her son from her prior marriage. But the way these three children, they're not children anymore, but the way these three kids interact, I think is wonderful. And having a little girl to fuss over seems to be perfect for Miranda. And how many chief of staffs or whatever her job title might be at the time (laughs) could be able to handle that kind of family life and to really be a good mother to the boys? Mm -hmm. I just looked it up. It is Joey, the foster son. Joey. Okay. All right. I could not remember. It seemed right. What are your other favorite podcasts besides this, of course? Well, I do really like this one. I certainly don't listen to as many podcasts as you do, but I have expanded my horizons. And I really like the one called Stuff You Missed in History. Mm -hmm. And they just talk about things that normally we never really even think about. And they just give you so much information in such an interesting way. The first, though, podcast that I ever listened to was Serial. The first season. Yes. They've had more, but nothing really compares for me to that very first season. 
Well, because it was they were doing investigative reporting on a man in prison who was not being listened to, which most people are not when they're in prison. But anyway, I mean, the real doubt as to the guilt or innocence of a person that was going to be spending uh, the rest of their life in prison or nearly the rest of their life in prison. So Serial was the first one that um, brought me in. But I look forward to more of them. And I sometimes mention to my friends podcasts and many of them still you know how do you do that or how do you get that um and and i feel kind of proud of myself when i can explain to them how to use it and then when i tell them that my daughter has a podcast and they immediately say oh and what it's what's it about (laughs) and And then you have to say (laughs) and and i say private practice and they're trying, because really, private practice was, has been off the air how many years Ten now? years. Ten years? Yeah. Uh, I guess I should have known that. But that is, wow. All right. I wouldn't have guessed that. I wouldn't have guessed ten. I would have guessed half. So congratulations to all of you who don't want to let go of it. <laughs> no, I think that's wonderful. Isn't that what this is about? Isn't that what this is about? <laughs> that a show's been off the air for 10 years and how much there is to talk about the show and to think about this show and to see what effect that it has and the stories and the lessons that it still has to teach us. And then there's that bit of fantasy, you know, those things that in real life are not going to happen. But in our fantasies, we could think, oh, you know. You mean like a fertility specialist opening a chest for open heart surgery last week? Yes. <laughs> not a heart surgeon? Yes, not a heart surgeon. Correct. Correct. Or, you know, being like the only doctors in this hospital or the only ones that are doing, you know, the, the surgery. Or they see a patient and an hour later and they're in the operating room. Um, you know, that's a little bit of fantasy. Yeah. And also, you know, people living next door to each other on the ocean. Two houses side by side being on the market at the same time in Malibu is is quite unrealistic, I do have to say. They were on the market at the same time? Pretty much. Okay. okay. Or just merely moving next door to your best friend's ex-husband and not knowing that he lives there. That would never, ever happen. But, but look, even in this episode, what that allowed to happen. What part of the story that could not have occurred if they weren't living next door to each other? Yeah. I would like to live there for just a little bit to see what it's like, to hear the ocean. I've taken you to the beach on our trip. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm talking about to wake up in the morning and and either hear your next door neighbor or hear the ocean. Hear your next door neighbor's sister, the astrologer. Well, that's true. Astronomer. Astronomer. Yeah. Astronomer. I always get, I, I know what I mean, but I say astrologer when I mean astronomer. Astronomer. But she did say Sagittarius and all of those things, so they are connected. Well, it's that's just... true. That's true. But that was in her mind. They the are connection. real constellations, though. No, I understand that. I understand that. But our listeners are so lost because we haven't even begun. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. This is what happens when you have a mother and daughter. <laughs> But isn't she something? You understand how proud I am of her. She'll probably take that sentence out. We'll see. 
Do you have anything you'd like to promote? Well, I, I know what kind of things other people promote when they're a guest, but my promotion is a little bit different. And um, I would just like to promote kindness to each other and to animals, to wonderful animals, and to the planet that we live on. We need to be kind. We really need to be kind to each other. And I don't think that we are. And we have the ability to be kind and to open up our hearts. So I would like to see that. Well. That's not what you had in mind, was it? No, 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 it's fine. I I just... uh, What did you think I was going to promote? I don't know. I don't know. Other people promote a book that they read, right? Which I'm not a big reader, so I can't promote a book. We certainly can't promote anything new on TV because there's nothing good on. So I wanted to promote kindness as we get towards the end of 2023 and we go into 2024. So speaking of uh, quote unquote nothing good being on TV, so there's some confusion on what's going on in the industry right now. So I just want to a little bit clear that up for our dear listeners and hopefully It will all be unnecessary because by the time this airs on Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you have great mashed potatoes. That certainly is what I will be doing. Happy Thanksgiving. This is going to be Thanksgiving Day. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't wait. Yes, I'll be watching the parade, seeing all my friends on the TV in the parade. And then I'll go over to dear co-host Caitlin's house and make some mashed potatoes and some pies. But so... Last week, this is, uh, we are, it's mid-November because, you know, I have to edit this. The AMPTP, which is the CEOs of the big studios, and SAG-AFTRA's negotiating committee, which does include firefighter, doctor, anesthesiologist Ben Warren, a.k.a. Jason George. They've been working very hard. And basically, so they've come up with an agreement that the negotiating committee and the AMPTP have agreed on. So now what happens is people can promote what they've been in. People can start to audition again for these things. But the strike isn't 100% over yet. What happens next is the strike terms go to the SAG-AFTRA members and then they vote on it. And then once it's ratified, we can say the strike is over, over. So believe me, I am thrilled that there is headway because I really didn't think it would happen until the new year. Thankfully, it's coming just under the wire of Thanksgiving. But I have heard slash read that they will not be shortening the holiday break. So I still don't think we're actually going to get anything new until, you know, February at the earliest, very, very earliest. But yeah, I am not the source for knowledge, but I do have a little bit of, you know, workplace information. So I am happy to try to answer any questions you have. And um, yeah, just go to SAG After's website for the 100% straight from the source information. All right, so our patient breakdown for this episode, season five, episode 16. Wowza. We have first notes and miscellaneous per usual. We have Addison Forbes Montgomery. Again, no diagnosis, but she's in therapy. We have Erica Warner with gliosarcoma surgery recovery. We have Corinne Bennett with bipolar disorder and facial lacerations. We have Sam Bennett with a scalp laceration. And of course, we will be talking about the Bennett siblings as one. 
We have Laurel, who is pregnant and has a fetal diaphragmatic hernia. And we have our dear, dear, dear Amelia Shepard, who is pregnant. Do you have any first notes, dear Rosie Posey? I love that name, Rosie Posey. <laughs> I don't have any first notes. Do you? I do. So, uh, wow, wow, wow. We are seeing the therapist. We see his face today. And he is speaking, which hasn't happened in a long time. So that was a joy to see sort of the back and forth in Addison's therapy session. And seeing him not challenge her, but make her think. Not that she doesn't normally think, but I think my dear intelligent listeners will know what I'm trying to say. And then my other first note is sort of on the lighter end. I, again, do not believe that Charlotte would choose that plaid comforter. I don't know if Cooper brought that into the relationship. Um, I do think she would choose the sheets, which were sort of silky, sort of, I call it a stained glass pattern. It has like diamonds. It looks like windowpane kind of, like diamond windowpane. But I don't believe that she would choose that plaid comforter. Well, Charlotte would be paying a lot more attention to the sheets than to the comforter. That would be important to her. Yeah. And it looks warm. So. <laughs> All right. So we are on to Addison Forbes Montgomery. What's your first note about Addie? My first note is how Addie is worried about Sam. I didn't expect that that would be like what she would be talking to her therapist about. But anyway, she's worried about Sam when she's talking to the therapist. And then... She tries to have a, a conversation with Jake. She's trying to communicate with, with Jake, and it doesn't really seem to be, to be working. And then a couple scenes later, she's confronted by Jake because she, she finds out, he finds out, sorry, Jake finds out through Violet when Violet says, Fiji. Fiji. Yes, she says, Fiji that Addison hasn't kept their past history just between the two of them. And I think in this practice, this private practice, that they, um, nothing is secret, nothing is secret, nothing is, they all have to talk about their intimate relationships with others, either past or present, and they don't seem to be quiet about it. And, and Jake, I think, is not used to that. I mean, I think Jake thought that whatever he had with, with Addison Montgomery in the past was between the two of them. And he finds out right here that it is not between the two of them. Yeah, Jake says, can anybody in this office keep a secret? And Violet says, it's really not what we do best. And that's honest. Yeah. It's not what they do best. Yeah, but what really struck me is at the beginning when you talked about how Addison was trying to talk to Jake about their uh, confession of emotional feelings. And she was like, I wasn't done. And Jake says, I was done talking. That's all he had to say. Oh. I also really oh. just want to... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's interesting. That's interesting. I just want to touch on how Addison says that she thinks that Sam was her greatest love. I think that is delusional. Absolutely not. Mark Sloan was her greatest love. Absolutely. I, Sam, no. I think she thinks that because she's in it right now. I don't think she really, I think she'll look back and be say, oh no, that he was not my greatest love. But Sam is her best friend's ex-husband. Correct. And so she, 
she gave up a lot to have this relationship with Sam. And maybe that's why she thinks that it's her greatest love. Maybe she has to feel that it's her greatest love because of what she did to her best friend and what happened to that relationship. As dear Amelia Sculler, Margot would say, mayhaps. <laughs> Maybe and perhaps. Mayhaps. Mayhaps. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Addison gets all sweet and middle schooly when she talks to Jake. She like stands up a little straighter and just gets so like, juvenile is not the right word, but she gets so like just sweet and like blushing and she, oh, it's But that's cute. so unlike her. Yeah. That is so unlike her. She says to him something like, the words were something like, I could get ready. Uh-huh. What does that mean? I mean, I know what that means, but how is that an Addison comment? Well, we've talked a lot before about how professional Addison and personal Addison are two very different Addisons. And then family Addison is a whole other thing. But Addison professionally always knows the next step. And personally, she doesn't. And I think that this really just shows like, She wasn't ready to go all in until Jake was ready to go all in. She was just ready to be flirty and everything. But when he firmly says, like, I would like to buy a house with you, she says, oh, okay, I'll get ready now. Or I could get ready, she says. I could get ready. Yeah. Because I don't think she had another little fling in her. I mean, obviously she could. But I think she doesn't want to have the back and forth that she has with Sam, that she had with Pete. I think she wants just like end game. Well, that's interesting. I think you're right. I hadn't thought about it that way. I hadn't seen it that way. How old would you say she is now? Well, (laughs) no one is a specific age in Grey's Anatomy. Because if they were, then Amelia would be in her 50s when she had Scout which is um, the baby she had recently in Grey's yes. Anatomy. Uh, so the age, ages and Grey's are not real. Also, uh, Richard was apparently 65 or 70 the first season of Grey's Anatomy. So yeah. now he would be in his 90s. No, he couldn't which, have been. Well, they, they were like, well, he's ready to retire. It's time to retire. Oh, okay. So the ages, I don't know. Well, um, I thought her age was kind of out there because of the fertility issues, which I realize her issues with her infertility is not just because of her age, but... So she's double board certified, which would mean that she was in medical school and residency for a lot longer than most residents. Right. I understand. Okay. So her age really is up in the air. I would say she's probably around like somewhere between 39 and 45. That would be my guess. Okay. All right. And I put her closer to early 40s. That's what I think. But she has been looking for so many years for happiness outside of herself. And how could a person, how could she not be enough for herself? And if you you can find that perfect person and you find that perfect love, if there is such a thing, I could see maybe that makes your life a little bit better. But just for herself, she just doesn't seem to be satisfied. No matter what, she's not satisfied. She has all the money in the world that there is. She has all the looks 
that there are. She has the brain power and the surgical skill that most surgeons would do anything to have and what most doctors would want, what patients look for in a doctor. Yet, she's never happy. She's always looking for something else. And in real life, that happens to some people. Oh, yeah. It happens to many people. But I would think that she would... Why doesn't the psychiatrist just say that to her? Look in the mirror, Dr. Montgomery. Look in the mirror. Make yourself happy. You're going to worry about Sam. You're going to worry about this one. You're going to worry about that one. Although, to be fair, I do think that she is fair. She is in the right to worry about Sam. She's worried about him as a person and as a colleague and as a friend more than she's worried about him as a boyfriend because of what he's going through with his sister. I think that that is fair. Well, she certainly has had her own turmoil within her own family. Yes, yes, but I I think I don't begrudge her this feeling of empathy for Sam. Okay, okay. This time. Empathy. Well, we should all be able to have empathy for others. Seems to be harder than people think. I don't think so. It's a story for another podcast. (laughs) At the end, my last note for Addison is... When she's talking to her therapist, she says, I want someone to sacrifice for me and with me. Again, why I think she is not just in it for another fling. She wants it to be endgame. And then she, her Connecticut comes out and she says, oh God, I sound like some hippie freak. Is it too early for scotch? And I thought that was a great line to end on. <laughs> yes, it was too early for scotch. We don't know what time it is. It could have been like 4 p.m. That's still a little early for a surgeon that could get called in at any minute. I'm sure she wasn't on call if she had an appointment. Okay. Okay. On to Erica Warner with our gliosarcoma surgery recovery. I was confused at the beginning because I didn't know if Cooper was making her clean up or if he was giving her her coffee that is hers to have. And I really hope it was the latter. I think it was the latter because she then spilled it. And if he was handing her coffee to throw away, it would have been empty, but she spilled it. But at first I thought that she was like recovering from surgery and Cooper was like, here's some trash to take to the trash can. Oh, I didn't see it that way at all. Okay. I saw that he had the coffee and he was giving her her morning coffee where given all the problems that she's having and that she has this weakness on her left side, it would make more sense if he would have waited for her to sit down and he would have brought the coffee over to her while she was seated, that would have made sense to me. Yes, but then we would miss a pivotal plot point. We would have, and she spilled the coffee all over the floor, and it looked to me to be in a to-go cup. That's the way it looked to me. It didn't look like it was something that was going to break. But then poor Mason didn't understand what happened. Mm -hmm. What was she doing up and around, walking around the apartment anyway? Okay. Mason is right that the Star Wars order is confusing. And if you did not know any better and you just, you know, started from episode one, you'd think that's right. But in fact, episode one is not the first episode to watch. I had trouble following along with the whole Star Wars. It's okay. Um, And later in the episode, when he's at home and he's looking through the videos they, they have at home and he's looking for a specific one. I had a little trouble following that. I think it's just trying to like bond with Mason and give Mason a sense of just normalcy of watching a movie on a weeknight. 
I don't think you need to think too deeply into okay. it. Okay. It okay. doesn't really have anything to do with like Han Solo and Leia and Luke. It doesn't. Okay. There's no like duality for you to see there. Okay. Do you have to have some kind of permission from the writers of Star Wars to bring this in? So I'm trying to remember what year Star Wars was bought by Disney. Let me look that up. I think it was after this episode. Oh, you know what? Hold on. Let me see this date. Where's this date? Okay. Okay. So it is after, but really not far after. It was bought on December 21st, 2012. And this is February 23rd, right? Yeah. February 23rd, 2012. So it was like months before, but that's funny. So my original thought process was ABC and Star Wars are both owned by Disney. So technically Star Wars and ABC are siblings. Okay. So they could mention that in the same way that they could mention another ABC show. But... Interesting. You don't really have to have permission to talk about it because it's like a common thing. It's like talking about Sesame Street. True. Okay. Um, But interesting. Very, very interesting. Unless you're showing a clip from it, you don't have to worry about rights in that way. I loved the shot of Cooper falling asleep onto the table. The camera was under the table and like we saw the bottom of Mm -hmm. the coffee cup and he's like dozing off. I thought that was funny. Charlotte was being so understanding saying that he could take a nap on the couch and everyone would understand she's trying to help so much and that's not like her to me that's not like her i am not a charlotte fan i know many people are shaking my head including my daughter i am not a charlotte fan i i think you need to watch the show with your eyes okay okay it's, uh, I think you will change your mind. I see where you're coming from in the early seasons, but I do think that you need to watch the show. All right. She's very giving in this episode and very understanding. Mm-hmm. And I know she's concerned about Mason. I understand that. Cooper says that Charlotte is being manipulative by hiring a night nurse. Thankfully, Violet snaps him right out of that. Again, I'm glad to have another Cooper-Violet scene because we were without those for quite a while. I loved seeing Cooper and Violet together talking. Because when I think of them, I think of them as being besties. Mm -hmm. And it was nice to see that again. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that in a long time. Mm -hmm. No, getting a night nurse, first of all, was a very kind thing to do. Now, I do think she should have discussed it with him first which I know he would have said no, but I think that if she had discussed it with him first, it may have it may have come across better. I mean, how is he supposed to be doing all of this at the same time? H- how is he supposed to be functioning during the day when he's up at night? Yes, can you do that one or two nights? Yes, but that's about as long as you can do it. I think she should have asked Erica. I think we were forgetting about the patient and the situation. How do we know she didn't? We didn't see it. We didn't see it. Okay. We didn't see it. But it's very possible. I think that she would take kindly to an offer like that from Charlotte. I, I, I hope so, but I think she might be worried about Mason seeing another person in the house and thinking, oh, my mom's really sick. She is. And they need to tell him that. They did in the last episode. I understand. Cooper at the end says, I know whatever happens, I have you. And um, I don't think he has, he says he hasn't stopped to think 
about what it's doing to their marriage and that isn't fair. So thankfully, you know, Violet, Violet can be good sometimes. Violet is the person that everybody comes to. She is still the person, even with all of her issues, she is still the person that everybody comes to for advice. Violet is the person, we haven't discussed this yet, but Violet is the person that the two mothers-to-be talk to. Because they were referred by Addison. Yes, but she's still, they don't know her. She's still the person that Addison wants them to talk to because Addison knows she's the best person to discuss this with a family in crisis. Yeah, and Sheldon's a little busy with Corinne. I just don't think, Sheldon is a different kind of psychiatrist. He's more of the old style. Violet has much more empathy. I don't see Sheldon as having empathy. I don't. I think I think you're thinking only about this episode and what we'll talk about later. Okay. I think in general he does have a lot of empathy, but he detaches himself as a professional should do. I think Violet does not detach herself professionally in the ways that she should have. If I had to choose between the two of them and I had to go and see a psychiatrist, I would much rather talk to Violet. She would be much less judgmental. I think that he would be very black and white. Okay. Anything else for Erica? Well, Cooper says that he's going to take care of both of them for as long as it takes. So this is very open-ended. Very open-ended. Yes. On to Corinne Bennett with bipolar disorder and facial lacerations and Sam Bennett with a scalp laceration. I love that he came up with Eggs Bennett instead of Eggs Benedict. I thought that was hilarious. It's a waffle with ham and eggs. I think a poached egg with hot sauce on top. I just love that he came up with like a, you know, a little semantic breakfast moment. That was cute. And he took the bottle of hot sauce and kind of pushed it over to her on the counter. Yeah. He was like, it's time to put the hot sauce on. He was like so proud of his little invention. Yes. Yes. He showed such love for his sister in this episode Mm -hmm. and I mean he has all this history with her and he has a lot of guilt with her I'm not sure he should feel guilty about it but he feels guilt towards her it does really concern me that he thinks he can take all of this on himself that he can take care of her He knows enough about people with bipolar disorder. He knows enough to know what it's going to take to take care of her and to help her get better. And that this isn't going to be a clear path, that it's going to be like a roller coaster up and down, because that's what bipolar is, is a roller coaster up and down. And that he hasn't clued their family in. Yeah, he needs to tell their parents, like, immediately. (laughs) I think so. I understood when she first got there, before she had her meds straightened out and before, you know, he could figure out what was going on, but it's time. It's time to tell the rest of their family for sure. In Therapy with Sheldon, Corinne says that Sam can't always be there and she doesn't want to let him down. I think she is not being selfish, which is wonderful, but also no one would blame her for being selfish in this time. And I think that that's really interesting to put it as her, 
you know, having a home for the first time in a long time, having stability for the first time in a long time, and a brother that she missed very much. And she is not worried about herself. She is worried about him. And no one would blame her for only being worried about herself in this time. Yes, because of her illness. She is so smart. I know that some of it was in her head, but like just to know all of that about the constellations and their names and the origins and where they are in the sky. And I know some of it was in her head and that it all wasn't in the sky above her. But just to know the names of those things. I've never been into Greek mythology, but I know some people are really into Greek mythology. I just, it was it was wonderful to watch. And also Anika Noni Rose is just like the best of the best. And I love seeing someone truly monologue on television because we have a Shondalogue, of course, and monologues do happen. But in this way, just like stream of consciousness, just very authentic. I'm going to say what comes to my brain. Watching someone do that so believably, like Anika Noni Rose did in this episode, chef's kiss, perfect. But I do have to say that upon first watch, when Addison is awoken by that noise, I definitely would have thought, and I don't remember if I actually thought this the first time, but knowing myself and knowing this show and this genre, I definitely would have thought that someone was breaking into Addison's house. Not Corinne, just like someone was breaking into Addison's house because she was just like awoken by a sound at two o'clock. And I would have thought, you know, Addison's in danger. So I'm glad it wasn't that. And she puts her robe on and she goes outside. But when she goes outside, she already knows from looking out the window who it is. Yeah, yeah. I do not think she would have gone outside if she didn't know who was there. I hope not. I don't think so. I... The robe did look very cozy, though. But she's so worried about Sam. I can't really be positive that she wouldn't think that... I don't think that the sister is the first thing that came to her mind. I think she thought she, she might have thought something happened with Sam until she looked outside and sees the sister outside. And I think she was, uh, my first thought, because I remember this episode from years ago, but I don't remember it clearly. My first thought when I just, when I rewatched it, is that she was afraid the sister was going to go into the ocean and drown. That, that's fair. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And I'm so glad they didn't go that way with everybody getting wet and you know yeah well i mean on top of everything they're not really at the ocean it's green screen in hollywood i understand (laughs) i understand but but um that would have been a a really hard scene to do yeah we we don't need that and i'm glad we didn't yes but her her acting was just fabulous yeah and and think of how many times they probably had to do that scene and she never lost the ability to make it seem like it was the first time she was saying those lines. Yeah, I'll watch anything she's in. Well, you'll have to tell me when she's in something else because I want to see it. Will do. She is. She's working consistently, thankfully. So oh, that's good. Okay. I really felt for Sam when he's you know trying to make excuses for her when there is no need to make excuses. But he says she was just excited after our planetarium trip yesterday, and. I am wondering if he's regretting taking her because all of this stemmed from that excitement. Well, I think he is, but he shouldn't be. Yes. Because he has no way of knowing how this is going to set her off. I mean, she could have been just as set off by not going to the planetarium. Oh, yeah. She was asking to go. Yeah. I mean, she Um, could be set off by something she saw when she was in the car at a stop sign or something. Like, she could be... Set off by a billboard, anything, you, exactly. you don't know. She should be, since her meds have been changed and adjusted, 
I think she should be her a little bit more controlled than but she is. But it seems that she was not taking them. Well, they brought that up, but they never really answered it. And how would Sam let her administer her own meds anyway? She should not be in charge of taking her her medications. That should be something that he gives to her, that he knows when she's taking it, if she didn't take it, what the reaction is. Well, he did earlier in the season, a few episodes ago. I understand, but it's not time to stop it. It's not time to stop it. That's a long way from now. So do we really know whether she took the medication or not? We don't know. They brought it up and they never answered it. Yeah. That question was asked when she was in the hospital bed and they were trying to to pull the glass out. And look who they had in that scene. Not a plastic surgeon. Well, that's a good point. But is that who realistically in the hospital would have been doing? Well, Pete's in the hospital all the time. Pete works shifts in the ER all the time, so that makes sense. Sheldon being her psychiatrist there, that does make sense. Um, It's the middle of the night, right? By now, it's like 2.45. I'd say even later. I mean, how does he even get her to the hospital? Does he pick her up and put her in the car? Well, she's like strapped down, so my guess is it's an ambulance. Okay. All right. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I'm glad that Sam realized that, quote unquote, that wasn't cool and that he didn't respond nicely to Addison's care for him. She comes in and checks on him the next morning. This is before she goes to the hospital, before Corinne goes through the window. Yes. Yeah. And, um... Corinne brings everyone lunch. A scene a bit... It's, a scene is kind of made, sort of, um, while Corinne is manic. We see other patients in the waiting room be like, what is this? Who is this? What's going on? And I also thought that it really highlighted how exhausted Cooper is because Cooper coming into the shot, into the lobby, while Corinne is so manic, really brings the whole episode together for me and shows us just how manic she is and how tired he is. I love the scene. I thought her wanting to say thank you to people that have been so kind to her and so helpful to her but her brother doesn't seem to know where she is. She must have gone to shopping to buy all this stuff. He knew that she wasn't in the apartment. How, where did he think she went? And I thought it was wonderful that mm-hmm. she wanted to bring, she wanted to make these things and she wanted to bring them as a thank you. But it just spun out of control. Yes. Yes. Because she was talking so fast and because she was trying to talk to all of them. And she wasn't doing it in the right place. That should have been in that kitchen where they are all the time. She didn't get the chance to go to the kitchen because she already ran into Addison. Oh. If okay. you If you were going somewhere to meet someone and you ran into them, you wouldn't say, oh, come with me. I have something for you. It's not your place. True. If you're, okay. if you're say, okay. for instance, if you go somewhere, you bring someone something, you say oh, I brought you a present. Let's go to this corner. Like, that's even weirder. That's true. Okay. Yeah. When Corinne says, I'm brilliant and you've never believed in me, that hurt. And then she hits Sam with a candlestick and then she falls through the plate glass door. Just if you didn't watch the episode, dear listeners, that's what's happening. Um, It's not, I don't think it's on purpose that she hits him, but it does, it is what happens. You don't think it's on purpose? I think she, she... 
I think she's like, don't touch me, get off of me. And the candlestick goes into his head. But why is she holding the candlestick to begin with? I think she was trying to say, like, use it as a, like a baton. Say, look, there's this. Oh, oh, oh. Here's Andromeda. Here's Sagittarius. Here's the Big Dipper. I think she's looking at it like a... Okay, a pointer. Yeah, a pointer. Okay. I don't, she didn't, I don't think she had malice at all. I don't think she had malice, but no. it, it was foreshadowing for me. Oh, of course. When she picked that up, I thought... He's going to get hit with this yeah. because I did not remember all of the details. He needs a plastic surgeon for that head wound. And dear listeners, I'm going to be watching next episode. If it's bruised at all, if it is, you know, sutured at all, I'm going to be watching. You can watch out for that. Well, how do we know that he didn't see a plastic surgeon? I hope he did. They just said you have to see someone. Right. To, right. You need to see, go to go see Mark Sloan, go see Jackson Avery. You need someone, <laughs> someone who knows what you're doing to stitch off that beautiful head. Finally, finally, Sheldon suggests inpatient care. Shout out to Brie, our guest host from our last episode, Brie of the On Call Room. She said, Sheldon is either a psychiatrist or a counselor, not both. So she needs inpatient med stabilization. It's not ethical for them to be stabilizing these meds outside of inpatient care. Well, you can stabilize someone on meds, but not someone to this degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely, but this needs okay. to be inpatient. Yes. My last note is Corinne talks about Andromeda, the chained woman, and Sam wipes away his tears because he doesn't want to put her somewhere that she can have around-the-clock care, even though some may argue that is exactly what she needs. Sam is worried. Well, he said something like, she's been out of my life for so long and I can't do this to her. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of what I remember. And when she out of seemingly nowhere talks about Andromeda the chained woman, he feels it. And I thought that was also yes. a beautiful analogy. I love the writing in this episode. Anything else for Corinne? Well, I I feel sad for her. I feel sad for her. She really is bright. Oh yeah. And I feel bad for Sam, but he has to do the right thing here because she is proving that she's a danger to herself and others. If she's a danger to herself and others, she does not have to be agreeable to going inpatient. Said like a true professional. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to Laurel, who is pregnant and has a fetal diaphragmatic hernia. Danny is her partner, her wife. We don't get an exact title for that relationship but they're together laurel says i've seen on those medical shows you can do surgery on a baby while they're still in the womb and i really i don't expect an answer but i just really would like to know what the grays equal inside of the grays universe is like is yes. it still er is it house like what is do they still have er in the grays universe like, did Christina Yang grow up watching, I don't know, something from that? I don't know. Did Christina Yang watch ER when she was great? You know what I mean? There was St. Elsewhere. That was a hospital show. True, true. Yes, I think she probably did. Yeah. Although, no, she, prob she probably was like, this would never happen. <laughs> I think April would have watched it. I think. Oh, April would have. I think Violet probably would have watched it. I don't think Christina actually would have watched it. I'm just coming up with examples. What's your first note? Uh, my first note is that... Well, my first note actually is Danny, that is her partner, um, and and I came up, took that away as as that they are married to each other. But 
I'm not sure where I got that from. Yeah. That's just what I thought. But anyway, Danny, her partner, uh, as a blonde, uh, is on uh, The Bold and the Beautiful, and she's not on regularly anymore, uh, but she does make an appearance every once in a while as a blonde. Oh, is that is that an insight into our guest star spotlight later this episode? Yes, it is. <laughs> so that was the first thing that I noticed as soon as I saw her. Um, she has a dilemma. They both have a dilemma. They, they're having twins. They're coming in for what I viewed as a routine appointment. And all of a sudden in TV land, in like two seconds, Addison tells them about this... Uh, terrible herniated problem that the that the boy twin has i'm also confused how she couldn't see the what do they call it amniotic bands for the girl for the girl i don't know if the issue with the boy was just like too distracting but you would think that they could see what was wrong with the amniotic bands because i think that's also what happened with sloan sloan mark sloan's daughter when she came in well, as I said, she made this diagnosis in, like, a snap of a finger. Well, of course she did. She's Addison Montgomery. Yeah. I mean, she didn't She didn't ask any other doctors to look at it. She didn't ask for any further testing. I mean, I thought that the baby was dead, by the, by the way there was silence in the room, because I didn't realize at that time that there were twins. And then the two women start arguing back and forth about whose decision it is to make. And they worked all of this out ahead of time. Who's carrying the baby? Whose eggs it is? Didn't they say that that was done on a... On a... Flip uh, a coin. Flip a coin. I mean, really? What a way to decide that is by a flip of a coin. So, I mean, I think it shows some... I'm not sure if immaturity is the right word, but a fanciful way to decide this. And the fact that the two of them really love each other is obvious. And the fact that the two of them really want these two children, you know, comes across. But their relationship between themselves, I mean, that was a terrible thing to say. The This is my body. I mean, that was just a terrible thing to say. I thought it was terrible how Danny just like ran off with no thought of anything. Well, where did she go? That's where I'd like to know. I mean, because did they take her? Did she go into the operating room immediately? She was gone for like weeks, right? Or days. Well, I'm assuming that it was days, but they never really said that. But where was she? And then Addison called her, which could be a little troublesome. Did she... Did she have to have permission to do that? Probably not. She's probably on there as like an probably, emergency contact Probably, probably. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I don't have very much about Laurel and Danny, but my last note is that no way Addison's hair looks that good after a long surgery under a scrub cap. <laughs> That's my last note. Well, look at how she looks in a scrub cap. Nobody looks that good in a scrub cap. Addison and Montgomery. As Addison does. Yes, she does. <laughs> She does. All right. Should we move on to dear, dear, sweet Amelia? I would Francis love Shepherd. to. I would love to. Sheldon says, you don't look well. I thought he said it. I thought the choice of words was important. He didn't say things like, oh, you look tired. Oh, what's wrong? He said, you don't look well, meaning you don't look like you feel well. 
I like the way that the words that he chose, I thought were appropriate. Well, he thought she was high. I think he, he came to that conclusion, but I think the second that he saw her, he didn't. That wasn't, maybe it was the second thing that came to his mind, but I don't know. But of course she tells Sheldon first that she is 20 weeks pregnant and that it's Ryan's. And how does she, she doesn't even know she's 20 weeks. She's not really sure. No, but I think she can count the time from when he died and how long she was in rehab. True. Okay. How Katarina Scorsone did not get an Emmy for this season, I will never understand. Never. I should make one and just give it to her honor there. When Amelia was telling Sheldon all of this and just, you know, unburdening herself to him, I should say, Brian Benman's acting was great. He, I, I said, wow, even Sheldon is out, is, is out of his depth here. He says, maybe you should talk to Addison about this. She can't talk to Addison about this. She says this quote unquote happy accident after she, after Addison's moved having an earth to have a baby and has not. But I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't even think about Sheldon's past paternity uncertainty until he brought it up. I always forget that Sheldon was maybe the father of Lucas for a minute. I remember that. It just seems like a zillion years ago. And what is she doing with the pregnancy test in the office that then she sticks it like under her leg? Like, why would she have that at the office? Maybe she's just like staring at it, waiting for the number to change. I don't know. It's television. Yeah. yeah, okay. Sweet, sweet Amelia is just so sad. The end, Sheldon comes to his senses and says, you won't have to do it alone. If you decide to not have it, you won't have to do that alone either. And I, I'm i just very proud of Sheldon. I can't believe you don't like Sheldon, you don't like Charlotte, and they're two of my favorites. Who do you like? I don't dislike Sheldon. I don't dislike him. I just don't think that he... I don't like him as a psychiatrist. Who would you say your favorite character on this show is? You can include Naomi, even though she's not here. Oh, the, like, herb doctor. Pete? Pete, yes. So Pete is probably my favorite character, always has been. And Pete and Viola together, although I know that they can't live together or raise their child together, but I think that they're a fabulous couple. Wow, dear listeners. (laughs) I, uh, a a little shocked. (laughs) I, uh, okay. Okay, cool. Love that for you. I like the alternative medicine ideas that he has. He doesn't do that very much anymore. No, he doesn't. But that's because they don't write for him to be in that room with all those. The big jars. The big jars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just think that that's, that in his heart, he's still practices that kind of medicine okay and i i like the two of them together what can i say (laughs) amelia says the waterworks will not stop and my favorite line again the writing in this episode big fan she says sheldon suggests that they go they eat something he says are you hungry and she says i can't go out in public i look like some kind of girl and i thought that was hilarious because of all the crying. And there's Kleenexes all over the place. Yeah. She's still sitting on that same couch this whole time. But I am glad that Sheldon came back, that he that he realized that what he was saying to her was so unfair. Do you think he would really stand by her? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. But she realizes herself, Amelia, as a doctor, although I realize she's a neurosurgeon, 
but as a doctor, she still realizes that this child was conceived during the height of her drug usage. I don't see any way that the people at the rehab would not have given her a pregnancy test to see that she was pregnant. But that's a sidelight. I think they would have. But it might not have shown up at first. Depends on what kind of test they gave her. They could give her something that would show it right away. But anyway, I don't think, I mean, she's saying about 20 weeks. I mean, that's awfully far. That's halfway there. Hmm. Anything else for Dr. Amelia Francis Shepard? I don't like the way she has her hair. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Too voluminous for you. Yeah. She's so much prettier than she came across. And I know they don't want her to look pretty because she's got morning sickness or plus she realizes she's pregnant. But I like the way in, in later years that she looked. I almost took me a minute to recognize her. That's fair. Did not look like her to me. Again, it's been 10 years. But I really like her. I like her character. On to miscellaneous Violet and Pete go to the zoo with Lucas, and Sam goes to the planetarium with Corinne. They're all out of the office today. I don't know what's getting done this afternoon. I don't know who is calling all these patients with appointments, telling them that their appointments are no longer happening. I just, the mechanics of this office are very confusing to me. Jake's gray sweater that he wears when he's talking to Violet is a very Derek Mark sweater. Interesting, yes. I've been noticing a lot that Jake's sweaters have been very Mark Derek. I know that they're like similar ages, similar jobs, similar wages, but like it just seems a little too on the nose for me. Like I'm glad he's not wearing like bold patterns. Like don't get me wrong, I don't want him in that red cardigan that Cooper had on a while ago, but like (laughs) it just seems like they're making this duality between Derek and Jake and Mark and Jake that is just confusing to me. But at the same time, not confusing. I don't know. I mean, he looks pretty good in that sweater. Speaking of looking good, I'd like to talk about the hot paramedic a little bit. Okay, what would you like to say about hot Scott? Well, I had hot Scott under my, to me, that was uh, under my miscellaneous. I mean, Violet is just all over the place. In In the same episode, she's with hot Scott, then... She turns Hot Scott down when he has a half an hour and her child has just gone out with uh, the babysitter or P- I forget exactly. Do you remember? The, no, she, she went to the park. Yeah, nobody's in the house for like a half an hour. So she turns him down, but he leaves. It doesn't mean he couldn't stay for the half an hour and they couldn't have a cup of coffee together. In the last episode, she said she didn't want a relationship. I understand that. So I think he is proving the point that you can't not want a relationship and have friendship. I just think it's weird that he just left. Okay. Unless she doesn't want anybody to see him coming over, but it is the middle of the day. And, and she, on the flip side of it, she says to Pete in the same episode, maybe we could put our family back together. What does that mean? <laughs> she sure does. She says if Pete is willing to do therapy, Violet is as well. She has doubts that their relationship is over and thinks that they could work it out. 
Now, I would like to see that because I would like to see that family put back together again. But I know that it would last for a very short period of time and then they would be, then they'd be over. But Hot Scott just interests me and I hope that we continue to see more of him. Not necessarily with Violet, but because he's a paramedic, so he certainly can have a place in the show. So let's see what they decide to do with him. Okay. My last note is I really thought that she was going to sell this haunted home and the fact that, like, there's still there enough enough violent crime in that home where we're done with that apartment. With that, we're done with that address. Done with that address. You're absolutely right. If Violet really wanted out of that house, she'd be out of there. I, uh-huh. You're right. You're right. All right, our Sam style for this episode. It's about 21 minutes in. Addison's gray suit with the dark belt and tan trench coat. It's I like, love the trench coat. It's like a suit dress, kind of like asymmetrical. It has like a big collar kind of in the front, whatever you call that. It's just class and grace, and I love it. She has these beachy waves, very defined. I love them. And a simple silver necklace and like a statement bangle, a pink lip gloss, and a nice light eyeliner. Big fan. I did love the trench coat. Yeah. Not everybody could carry that off, the trench coat like that, that it would look as good. Mm-hmm. But she could look good in a paper bag. <laughs> All right, our guest star spotlight is Ashley Jones, a.k.a. Danny. So Ashley Jones was born September 3rd, 1976 in Memphis, Tennessee. She is best known for True Blood, which I never watched. The Bold and the Beautiful, which we have a big fan of here today. 794 episodes. That's unreal. Yes. Yes. 794 episodes, dear listeners. 794. Oh my goodness. Uh, It says from 2004 to 2022. Although in her upcoming section of the imdb it says she has one episode which my guess would be from this season unclear yes there is something going on that they are going to bring her in for Mm -hmm. but it will probably just be one show she is in four episodes of all rise a show that we really like dear dear Lindsay mendez is in it as well she's in an episode of ncis she's in 20 episodes of general hospital another daytime soap one episode of Criminal Minds, as everyone is. CSI Cyber. Mm-hmm. You watch that show? I have, yes. Okay, one episode of CSI Cyber. One episode of Bones as two different people. I don't remember that. She was in Old School as a caterer. That's a throwback. 221 episodes of The Young and the Restless. And that I do not remember her on The Young and the Restless. It says 1997 to 2000, so I think we'll forgive you for that. I can assure you I have watched it since the beginning, so I would know I have to really investigate this and see who that who that is. But it's not unusual to go from Young and the Restless to Bold and the Beautiful, even if it's as a different character. Mm-hmm. They're really good on pe- bringing people back from the dead. <laughs> So she was raised in Houston, Texas, and attended Lamar High School in Houston, which is the same place that Tommy Toon went. And she also attended Houston High School for the Performing Arts. Oh, alumni is Beyonce, Chandra Wilson, a.k.a. Miranda Bailey. Interesting. She went to Pepperdine University, 
Very interesting. Yeah, so that's Ashley Jones. I loved her in this episode. She was very good. Mm-hmm. And I didn't look at her and think of Bridget Forrester. Yeah. Like I saw her as Danny, and I saw her as a person really in... Crisis. A big crisis. Big crisis. I think the hair color helped also. That's always big when someone is like really known for a role. Yes. And the hair is different. Or like if they have like facial piercings in one or tattoos or something. I feel like that helps. Yes. Trivia for this episode. This episode scored 6.32 million viewers. As of this episode, Griffin Gluck joins the main cast as Mason Warner. He started out as a co-star and was only credited as a guest star once in the previous episode before his upgrade to main cast. So basically that means that he is now paid for every episode, no matter if he's in it or not. Sort of like if you see the name in the main credits, that's what that means, being a series regular main star cast. Although it's interesting to me because he had like one line in this episode. I don't think he was talked about in this episode, but I feel like he wasn't really in this episode very much. So this was very interesting to me. I actually figured this out myself. Uh, Tina Holmes, who plays Laurel, also plays Rebecca Bloom in an episode of Grey's Anatomy. So that's season three, and Addison was her doctor. So I don't know, does Addison just think that there's a lady in Seattle who looks exactly the same as her, who was a child three years earlier? Unclear. (laughs) Actually, five years earlier at this point. She wanted a natural birth, but it became unsafe, so she had to have a C-section, Addison is her doctor and Alex is her doctor. I just think that's interesting because we have had people be on both shows before, but I think this is the first time, at least that I can remember, that we have a person, an actor who plays two different characters who's treated by the same doctor, who in this case would be Addison. Well, she looked familiar to me, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't sure why. And I thought she looked familiar to me because I had seen this episode yeah before but maybe she looked familiar to me from grace Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so this is where we have rosie's reflections so this is where you hypothesize what will happen next if you do not feel that you can hypothesize what will happen next without giving any spoilers you can simply say some of your favorite things that have already happened well what i'm going to hypothesize about is going to be about Mason. And I won't give any information about Mason that is a spoiler, mm-hmm. but my heart breaks for this kid. At the same time, he's so lucky that he has, that his father has been found, that it just remains to be seen. I just would like to say he's lucky that his father has been alerted to his existence. Because I think there's a big difference between, and I'm not saying that this is Erica's fault, even though it is. Um, Erica knew who Cooper was all along. Yes. And Erica just found Cooper again because she knew that she was ill. I understand. So I do think that that's a big difference between discovering someone in your family and having that person hidden from you for a while, your whole life. And we can hypothesize about Charlotte. about Charlotte's what Charlotte realizes about Mason and her husband and her own life and go ahead we just have to see what happens we have to see what happens okay on to ratings and MVPs I know you're struggling with the rating that's okay it'll come to you let's do MVPs first 
Who is your MVP? My MVP is Sam, uh, partially because he was on the screen a lot <laughs> this episode. But uh, my MVP is Sam because he's trying to do whatever he can to help his sister. He came into this knowing how hard it was going to be, but he seems to be willing to sacrifice himself for her. I think part of his actions are because he feels guilty that he hasn't been there for his sister before, and he really wants to make up to her, and because he realizes that he was wrong not to be there for her. So I see Sam as the MVP. I don't think he's very realistic about how hard it's going to be to take care of her, but he is my MVP. Um, if I could have had two MVPs, I would put Addison in there because what she did, she saved both of those twins, not just one. The information on the second one was pretty quick about what actually was wrong with the little girl that they didn't know. So she goes in there, she gets the two for one special <laughs> and she comes out and she's, you know, getting accolades. So if I could have picked two MVPs or if I could have a tie for the MVPs, I would put them there. Okay. I don't think that it's very realistic that somebody could have gone in there and done that surgery to save them both the way that she did. And with the other mother watching through the glass. Well, she called for help. She called. She didn't do it by herself. Jake helped too. No, J she called Jake in, yes, and she thanked him for coming in. Mm -hmm. Yes. But it didn't sound to me as though, I mean, he was telling her afterwards how wonderful she was. I mean, he kind of made it seem as though all he did was hold something. That's all we saw him do. Yeah, perhaps. Was to hold something. Mm hmm. My MVP is Gabe Finesca, who is the writer of this episode. The writing in this was just exceptional. I laughed a lot and none of the subject matter was funny. Like there were lots of little one-liners and we got to the core of what the character really needs to say while staying true to the established pattern of the show. And I really appreciated that because I feel like it could be cheesy. Like this whole thing could have been full of like sad little violins and oh, woe is me. But I laughed a lot, and that's hard to do. So good job, Gabe Finesca. I really hope I'm saying your name right. It sounds right to me. So my rating, and I'll help you come up with one, is stargazing. It has to be stargazing. You know, you're looking up at the sky, on the beach, of course, with someone close to you. It's like intimate and trusting and looking up at this vast sky of galaxies and history and undiscovered things and... The episode felt quite intimate. Like, we saw their inner lives more than fireworks, you know? Any idea what your rating could be? Maybe it's the word rating. Rating to me sounds It's not like, 1 to 10. Right, yeah. right. It's like a... Okay, so we were talking about this before. It is it is difficult. So she was talking about how she doesn't normally like Charlotte. And dear listeners, I apologize for my mother <laughs> that she doesn't like Charlotte. Um, but... How she normally doesn't, but she thinks what she did in this episode was right. So to that, I say, it's like the sun on the beach. It can burn you. Okay. But also, if you're chilly, it can warm you up. And it can grow food. And it can heat water. And it can make fire to keep you warm. Okay. 
How does that sound for your rating on the beach? That sounds good, but I'm not sure what you're asking me to say. Nothing. Just agree. Oh, I agree with that. Okay, cool. Okay. Is that it? Yeah. All right. Okay, well, thank you for being here. Let's go to Costco. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at BHAB Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor to be the first to hear future episodes. You can find me at Samantha G. Harris on Instagram. And I am not on the internet. <laughs> if you'd like to support Beach Houses and Babies, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and sharing it with a friend. It really helps people learn about the show, and we might read your review on the podcast. You can also become a member of our Patreon community at patreon.com slash bhab podcast. On our next episode, we'll be discussing private practice, season five, episode 17. Yeah, 17. They're available to stream on Hulu and can be purchased on iTunes, Amazon, DVD, and more. If you'd like to check them out for the local library, I'm sure they have them as well. If you have thoughts you'd like to share with us on these episodes, please DM us on Instagram at bhabpodcast or email us at bhabpodcast at gmail.com to be featured on our listener mail segment. Thanks for listening. BHAB Podcast will be back in two weeks, and I hope that I am invited to return, dear daughter. Okay. T G I T. T G I T. T G I T.